This is the Food About Town podcast. My name is Chris Lindstrom and I'm your host. This week is episode 31 where I talk to James Black from Knox Craft Cocktails, which is located in the Village Gate. Um, James and I talked a little bit about the restaurant review uh, that I wrote about Knox in the city newspaper a couple months ago. Uh, We discussed his past in Rochester, his path through the uh, chain restaurant world as well as uh, uh, independent restaurants. And we dove into a couple other mutual interests towards the ends. You'll have to stick around to see what those were. Uh, if you're enjoying the Food About Town podcast, please uh, please give it a five-star rating on iTunes. It's really going to help us get some more listeners. And that's definitely the goal over the next year is to try and get more engagement. So i really appreciate it if you can go on there. And stay tuned next week for another episode of the Food About Town podcast. Thanks. Living up to what I'm supposed to be Why am I seething with this animosity? I think you owe me a great big apology And a fine fall afternoon, listeners. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, episode 31, and we are here with the... Uh, what, what, what do you call yourself at Knox? What do I call myself? Barkeep, more you, often than not. Yes, uh, head barkeep. Head barkeep. I uh, like that. You know, occasionally if we're feeling flippant, potions master. Oh, which I, th- I find uh, quite engaging. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So um, introduce yourself, if you would. Uh, I'm, I'm James Black. Uh, I play with liquors at Knox in the so, Village Gate. Yep, Knox is uh, Village Gate. And describe the location because I think that's the first thing that sort of um, confuses people. It, it can be people. a bit slippery to people. Yeah, it confuses people a little uh, bit. It is uh, the, the, maybe the best way to describe it, if you're familiar with the Village Gate, is uh, where the gatehouse is across from their giant dining room window is our front door. Uh, we're technically in the same building as Selena's, but there's no entrance opposite to Selena's, so it gets a bit confusing. If you're really confused, on our website, we are geotagged down to, I believe, eight decimal places. <laughs> it's uh, Which I think is... Uh, yeah, it's been it's been tricky enough that we decided, eh, let's go all the way. It's also quite appropriate for, you, yeah, for your sure. situation. Why, why not geotag to eight places? Sure. Yeah. So, and also, the doors are just beautiful. Big wooden doors. Thank you. And, that it, was, it really uh, does. It really does catch the vibe of the place right away. Just those giant doors, and almost looks like they should have you know big steel knockers and stuff on. Them. I, it, it was an option. We decided on the uh, little <laughs> little uh, grill plates over the steel knockers. Yeah. And the other night we had uh, the plates open so you could see in, and the wind was blowing through nicely when it was raining. It was a nice touch. Yeah, I'm sure it really captured the mood mm-hmm. nicely. So um, this is I'm picking up again on my follow up to city newspaper reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reviewed Knox, uh, what was it, two months ago now, I believe. Sounds right. So um, I guess we'll start there and then go into some random talk about the the restaurant and, you know, a little bit about yourself, too. Sure. So um, reviewed the place two months ago. Um, I, t- I tended to like the drinks a lot. I, I, I think the, the thing about Knox in a lot of ways was that it is um, kind of the first post-hype uh, cocktail establishment in Rochester. Uh, yeah, I, in a lot of ways. I, I don't know if we were the first, but uh, yeah, after that huge first uh, craft cocktail boom in Rochester, uh, I guess we kind of snuck in under the radar. We were, uh, we weren't trying to compete with any of those places in a lot of senses. Uh, it was just sort of a, at least in some ways, a slightly different idea. Um. So, I mean, it was about getting a well-made cocktail, but not about the any of the trappings that usually, maybe not so much anymore, but at least during that first boom in Rochester and other cities, a lot of the trappings that came with, you know, air quotes, craft cocktail places, sure. you know, 
suspenders weren't mandatory on the bartenders. It was more about the drinks and less about the uh, sure ambiance. Yeah, I, I think that's that's one of the things that people I know I recognized the first time I came in there was it it had a different vibe. It wasn't quite as I don't know, formal, not quite as formal, not quite as um, regimented, a little more of a, this is, you know, cocktails the way we want to do them, not necessarily the translated version of the classics. Right, right. You know, we're still I'm more than happy to make you a Negroni or an Aviation or any of the, uh, you know, classics or revived classics or the new classics, uh, you know, penicillin stuff that's coming out of other cities and stuff. Uh, more than happy to do that, but it was... The, the, the original idea that went into it was stuff that would be truly ours and maybe things that wouldn't naturally occur to somebody who didn't have the luxury of having a whole wall of bottles at his or her disposal and throwing things in a glass and seeing if it worked out. Yeah, and, and it is a beautiful, it's a beautiful back wall of the bar. Uh, it, having not built that myself, I will take credit for that and say, <laughs> yes, it is a beautiful back wall. Yeah. The bottles are a nice touch, but that was uh, one of our owners, Tom Snape, put that together, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, all the all the names kind of worked out, too, for the vibe of the it place. It really did. You know, Tom yeah. Snape and yep. James Black. I mean, yep. very... Yeah. Yeah, it, it works out well. Yeah. And, and for, for those that haven't been there, uh, Knox has a very... Uh, uh, what, what would you call it? A, a nerdy nerd aesthetic? Nerd pub. Yeah. Was the, uh, we, we, we have billed ourselves since the beginning as a nerd pub. We're all... Literature enthusiasts and science and math enthusiasts and, you know, liquor enthusiasts with a pile of useless degrees that we decided, hey, let's <laughs> let's see if we can cram some of this together. Yeah, and, and at least you're just not, yeah, that's, that, that's pretty common, but actually yeah. opening the place is yeah. the next step. Yeah, know? exactly. And I, and I think a lot of people have appreciated the fact that it carries that, that certain feel to it and it's not necessarily... In, in the best of ways, not the place to be seen. Right. It's more of a comfortable hangout than a... Yeah. Than there, a, I mean, there are places that are see and be seen places, and that's, you know, that's just not what we had been intending to do. Uh, my wife came up in uh, coffee shops a little bit, and, you know, when I was younger, I used to go down places like that all the time, and kind of part of the idea was having the sort of place that has that coffee shop vibe where you don't feel weird or bad or like you have a problem going in and getting a cocktail and sitting down and reading a book or something like that. Sure. Um, think, you know, smartphones have changed that a little bit, but like 10 years ago, if you went in, you know, I, uh, back in the day, I would go into the old toad during the winter and get a cup of mead and sit in their little fake fireplace room and read a book and people would always poke their heads in and be like, are you okay? I like, yes, I'm <laughs> fine. I, I wanted a drink and I like to read. Uh, I didn't have mead at home. Right, so, I mean, you know, mo- most people don't know. No, no, and uh, I, we all thought it would be kind of a nice thing where it's like, you know, I would like a well-made cocktail, but maybe I don't carry 18 bitters at home and four different types of gin. And uh, coming out and being able to hunker down in a chair, or, you know, come out and hang out with your friends, play a board game, do the same sort of thing you do in your liver- living room, but with a much better stocked bar and somebody who makes them for you. Yeah, and, 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 and definitely an uh, eclectic and comfortable mm-hmm. environment. Which again, I, I think all suits the whole vibe of the place. Which, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's a change of pace, and if you haven't been there, it's uh, definitely worth going in and at least checking it out. I mean, um, so drink wise, how how would you describe the actual menu that you have right now? I mean, it's 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 very diverse. How would I, it it is diverse. Um, the the actual menu, um, the menu that goes out to people right now. Uh, we're actually doing a little switch over on Monday, so there'll be some more autumnal stuff. Mm. But uh, it'll still stay right around. There's a, usually somewhere between 15 and 18 drinks on it, and they they go all over the place. Uh, unless you are a real enthusiast, you will probably not like every single thing on there. But the good thing about a list like that is that you can generally find something that you will like and that you may not have tried before. You know, there's something, you know, if, if you really hate gin, there's a couple of drinks on there that I would strongly recommend you not drink. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, same thing with bourbon, you know. But if you like dessert sweet, there's something for you. If you like fruit sweet, there's something for you. If you like dry or if you like spicy, if you like bitter, if you like sour, you know. But basically, if, if, some, if somebody comes in and they're like, you know, they look at the menu and it's, there are some drinks on there with some really, maybe not bizarre ingredients, but things that, you know, we only know because we happen to be in the trade, 
uh, you know, we've had people look at the menu before and say, this looks interesting, but I don't know what any of these things are, which is uh, part of what goes in with it being not quite like a lot of other craft cocktail places. We we certainly won't scoff at you for that. It's, you know, we know it because we're in the trade. And if you come in with a vague idea of, I kind of like X, we'll be able to get you there to something you like. And absolutely. There's... Even for those that are familiar, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of complicated and more obscure ingredients on the menu. Yeah, um, I remember the first time I came in, uh, I came in with uh, Chris Carlson, who mm-hmm. is one of our Rochester. Um, what, what would we call him? A liquor liquor enthusiast. He's uh, more than an expert. enthusiast. He's definitely he definitely gets the mantle of expert. Yeah, liquor expert. I came in with him and a liquor wizard. Is that a thing? <laughs> I, I think so. Um, I, I think he would appreciate that. And, uh, <laughs> but I, we came in and I, I remember seeing, you know, tobacco syrup on the, mm-hmm. on the menu yeah. and, uh, just, just a bunch of things that I had never heard of. And I think it was, it definitely sucked me in right away saying, oh, these are different things. This is yeah, the, a place uh, you can explore a little bit. Yeah. The, uh, probably my favorite of the oddball liquors that are up there is the uh, Clear Creek, the Douglas Fir, which I, I think we were out of when you came in. We were out of that for about 10 weeks because yeah. the distillery had, I think they had trouble keeping up, but it's it's an ODV that tastes exactly like if you walked out to a field and bit a Douglas Fir tree. Which sounds perfect for me. I, I uh, love it's, it's wonderful and it's it's truly singular and just very bizarre. And that was one of those things where I saw it and I was like, I don't really care how much this costs or what I have to do. I'm getting this. Or necessarily how to use it. But. Exactly. I had no idea what to do with it at first. Eventually found something. It's in the, the House Stark, which okay. uh, is a very piney, very dry drink. Okay. If you're not into piney or dry, I strongly suggest you not drink <laughs> that drink. Um, and it, this was actually the first place uh, I tried. Uh, I was there during the, the launch party for mm-hmm. Tequila Brand, which is uh, the Soltado guys, yeah. who I've spent a little bit of time with yeah. after that. Um, you know, have you we, had them over here yet? Uh, I have. I haven't had them over here for this. I've had them over to discuss the product. Okay. And for those that aren't familiar, it's a Rochester brand of tequila, which is still distilled and um, naturally flavored in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it's a añejo, which is an aged tequila, twenty-eight month aged tequila, in uh, with serrano chilies in it and cinnamon and. It's actually a pretty fantastic, interesting drink. Fantastic cocktails. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing, especially since, and something I learned after, that it's still technically illegal in New York State to infuse your own liquor. Uh, Yeah, yeah. In house, which is just ridiculous. Uh, There are some very weird liquor laws on the books in, I mean, New York, in every state that. Basically, you only find out about them if you happen to run up against them, and you're like, "What do you mean that's not legal? How is that not legal?" Right. I I, I heard that. I'm like, "That's just it's kind of crazy that you can't infuse anything." Yeah. I'm like, "That's like the basis of the basis of creating something different." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it could be so, anything simple, and they can fine you a pretty solid amount of money. They're good at fines. Yeah. They're really good at fines. Ugh, such a shame. But anyways. Good product, mm-hmm. and if you see it around town, you should definitely try it out. Yeah. It's, it's quite interesting, and yep. I know James has it at Knox. Uh, we do. There's a, uh, a list of cocktails we make with it. Nice. There's one on the menu right now with uh, that tequila, cucumber, uh, Amaro, Ramazzotti, and uh, St. Germain, and then that's going to switch off next week, and there's uh, the one that's going on there is made with uh, Amontillado Sherry. Okay. So. It's very simple too. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's uh, lime juice, Montiato sherry, a little bit of a uh, simple syrup, and the Soltado tequila, and it's spicy, savory. That's a really good idea. Nice, Tasty. nice and simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's. I mean, we can talk cocktails a little bit later, anyways. Sure. But uh, I wanted to dive into the food menu a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, concept-wise, how, how would you describe the menu? Uh, comfort food. Yeah. Um, the, the the idea was uh, doing twists on the sort of uh, the the original very very basic germ of the idea was after years of working in bars and restaurants and getting out of work uh, the things that we wanted you know I, I can't tell you how many times I was just I'd walk out of work and be like you know I could murder a meatloaf and mashed potatoes right now but the hell do you get that 
and At midnight uh, or one o'clock. Exactly. Now I know, <laughs> but uh, um, that was the the basic idea. And it, I mean, a couple of different grilled cheeses. And I'm a person who once I uh, drove four hundred miles. 400, 300 miles for a grilled cheese. Drove to Cleveland for a grilled cheese. To what's a place Melt. called? Melt. Yeah, yep. that's right. Which, uh, to be fair, I was supposed to go to a concert. The concert was canceled, so I already had the day off. But I was like, oh, I was really looking forward to that grilled cheese. And I was like, nah, what do I have to do today? Yeah. So I took a drive. Let's go to Cleveland and have so, grilled cheese. You know, so having a good grilled cheese on the menu or two is uh, important. Sure. Uh, you know, with the mac and cheese, things like that. The sort of kind of savory stuff that... Uh, is not typical bar food, maybe. Yeah, and I, I I think that's fair, and I think the concept is rock solid from top to bottom. I mean, it makes a ton of sense, and I think it's one of the things that a lot of bars really fall flat on is the even just the concept behind the food. Mm-hmm. I mean, it yours makes a lot of sense, and especially again fits the vibe of the place. It's a yeah. little bit whimsical. It's a little bit playful. Yeah. Um, there's takes on classics. Yeah, not taking ourselves on... too terribly seriously, but yeah. we're still, oh, hopefully, uh, we're, we're taking good good amount of pride in it. Sure. But, uh, yeah, no, it was the, a, a lot of the craft cocktail places I'd been to had, uh, uh, I, you know, someplace, you could either go to a bar and you could get a very nicely made cocktail and then you could get some sort of something very expensive and small amounts of it with truffle oil or something like that. Or you could go to a cocktail, get a terribly made drink and have a plate of, you know, chicken fritters. And I was like, what, why can't we just have, you know, the, the sort of food I'm looking for, but with a good drink. Sure. And, you know, going back to the review, just because I'm, I was like rehashing things. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I, I remember we, we had a bit of an up and down with the food Mm -hmm. conceptually. And a lot of the dishes were really good. And stuff I I was happy to have had and happy to go back for, and then a few up and downs, you know, execution wise. And I, it's, I, it's, it's always hard because you're only there once or twice, right? And one of the hardest things about doing the reviews is you don't, you don't know what's going on that night. Exactly. You don't know. You is can't this, see the is back. Is this typical? Is this how it always is? Right. Or, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One one of the harder things. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you deal with inconsistency? I mean, it's. Uh, you know, uh, obviously, you try not to let it happen. Well, of course, but uh, it it will happen uh, when it comes to uh, inconsistencies. You just kind of you have to constantly monitor. Yeah. Um, a a thing that go, I guess goes hand in hand with being a chef or being a a restaurant owner is uh, there is a weird vibe of sometimes never really being hungry. Because you got to constantly taste. Yeah. You got to make sure, you know, if, if you have gravy sitting on a steam table, make sure it doesn't reduce. So every time you poke your head back in there, you know, maybe you take a little spoon or something like that and take a taste and you're just constantly tasting things. So by the time it gets to the end of the night, you're like, I don't really want a full meal because I've been nibbling on things all day to make sure they're not. So you just, I mean, inconsistency is a giant pain. You know, nobody wants to deal with inconsistency. So you just got to keep your head up and... Uh, it'll still happen everywhere of from course. time to time, but uh, yeah, just just keep on it. Yeah, I guess. No, I I, I brought it up because that that was one of the the bigger one of the issues I had mm-hmm. when I was there, and it's you don't want to overblow something. Right. That's a, that's a one night issue, especially when we had like we had a great chicken sandwich, mm-hmm. um, which creatively the 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 thin biscuit thing was fantastic. Those are lovely. I was actually I was really impressed with how that turned out because it was it was thin like you know the the diet stuff mm-hmm. you know like a diet uh, yeah. like a diet bread but yeah. it was biscuity without being too soft and crumbly. It holds together. It's one one of the worst things about biscuits on a sandwich yeah. is that they always fall apart. You you always want the biscuit on the sandwich, but the second you take a bite out of it, you're like, oh yeah, that's why I don't do this. Right. Yeah, it never no, really I, works. I'm not entirely sure what sort of dark magic he uses to hold those together. <laughs> but uh yeah, they're they're somehow thin, firm, stable biscuits that work as buns. Right. And thinner than a typical hamburger mm-hmm. bun, which is it's it's true it was one of the coolest things I had there and just really well. That, that would be our really that would well be done. our chef Brett. He uh he has pulled some fantastic things out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and I think the, what was the other one we had that was really, 
super simple was the 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 chickpeas, the the fried chickpeas. That was uh, that recipe was originally, I believe, my wife who uh, suggested, you know, fried chickpeas, and uh, I, my initial reaction to it was, okay, sure, fine. I'm like, that's <laughs> that sounds like a thing. I'm sure you can fry some chickpeas, and then she put them down in front of me, and I was like, oh my god, these are amazing. Yeah, like how how have I not had something like this before? But uh, yeah, no, they're fantastic. They're they're crisp. They're good hot. They work cold. Yeah. So and it's one of those things you're like, oh. I can't believe I hadn't thought of this before. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, food-wise, this is definitely somewhere you can enjoy a meal. Yeah. You don't even have to have a whole meal. It's easy to share all the stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if you like... It catches on a lot of the trends, too. You know, it's hitting... It's got the bacon. It's got the... It's got the, you know, poutine takeoff. Mm-hmm. It's got the... It's got the, you know... Fried chicken. It's got all every, all the stuff everybody really wants to get at. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I, I mean, a fair amount of it can be made vegetarian-friendly. Uh, a couple of the things are my wife can't do gluten, so a couple of the things are, by nature, uh, gluten-free. Uh, we can't actually say we're gluten-free on the menu because it's a shared kitchen. Right. And that's – it's. But I've had a couple of uh, gluten, uh, gluten-free people in the, in the, on the podcast recently. Yeah. And I've learned a lot from that. It's a – a topic I'm I'm still learning a lot about just because it's it's so for the people that are really affected by yeah. um I, affected by it it's 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 really critical that you don't do any crossover having worked in restaurants for years I've seen you know both sides of it the 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 people who uh you know maybe don't want to deal with the food prep and uh especially now being married to somebody I've dealt with the there was gluten in that and uh it, it's it's no joke. No, <laughs> it's really unpl. I don't know what I would do without gluten or dairy. So yeah, I, I, I would. I would not be a very happy person. I need those things to survive. Yeah, but, see, uh, I, I've got the lactose intolerance, which is a pain in the ass, so to speak. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I can bring pills around, and most yeah. of the time, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't I, think there's a gluten pill on the market. No, at the moment, so no, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> there's people spending a lot of money trying yeah. to figure that out. But yeah, it's yeah, not not a fun thing based on everything I've yeah. heard. Um, so I'd like to switch off the review again yeah. and sort of dive into your background. You, you mentioned you've been in Rochester for a while. Are you a Rochester native? Yeah. Or? yeah. I grew up in uh, Fairport. Okay. Um, uh, with the exception of about a year when I lived in Ohio, I've been here my whole life. Um, I've been in food service most of my adult years, uh, since, since 90, January 97, I started, and came up in chain restaurants and stuff, and then okay, uh, so you, you started with the chains, and yeah. And then when I the first time I worked for an independent restaurant, it was about a weekend when I was like, "How did I not know this was a thing? Like, how how did I not know that there were jobs in restaurants that weren't just?" I I, I truly feel bad for corporate employees because oh, I yeah. had worked in corporate restaurants for six years and oh, wow. it was soul crushing oh, at sure. times just just awful is is there i'm i've read a bunch of stories online from that did, did you have anything that stands out from that time as just just one and an experience or something <laughs> that just catches you the wrong way that just well <laughs> i'll get i'll give you two quick things okay. one the fun experience would be the uh one of the places I worked was uh, near the throughway exit out in uh, Victor. Okay. And uh, we got a lot of people who were just, you know, in the middle of kind of a hall. And uh, there was definitely a guy who would stop in frequently. Uh, had a fairly thick accent. We were never really sure. We couldn't really place it. Uh, and if you asked him to repeat himself, he got, like, pretty violently angry about it. <laughs> and... Uh, being in a corporate place, it was, I mean, you you basically had to shoot up the place for them to say, okay, go ahead and kick that person out. Oh, yeah. And uh, the man came in one night. Uh, he, he always refused male uh, service people because waiting tables was women's work. <laughs> uh, and one night he, you know, just made kind of a, it was kind of a weird night for him. He, he was always, you know, if you once you learn to work around his quirks, he was just kind of a weirdo and, you know, whatever, you deal with weirdos. But uh, he had just sort of an odd little face going on one night and then just abruptly left throwing a pile of money on the table. And when somebody went over to clean it off, 
uh, discovered that he had left his soiled underwear there. <laughs> so, uh, that, like, that's, I guess that's I know a, what the face was. That, that's a good one, and yeah, yeah, that's the first time you learned about that face for that customer. I, that that has I knock on wood. That was the last time I ever had to deal with that. <laughs> Hopefully, that won't come up again. I, I would hope not. It'd be. I think it would be a little bit more of a shock. Yeah, that would be truly exceptional at, at your place now. Uh, yes. Yeah. That would. That would be. That would be a shocker. Yeah. Uh, but the the big thing about corporate restaurants that stuck out in my head to me was the the lack of support that came down management wise, and I understood it from both ends because I managed at places like that too. But they would tell you you can't do X. If you do X, you will be fired. And then you would go to a table, they would ask you to do X, and you would explain to them, I can't. There's no way I can do it. Then the table would ask to see a manager, and the manager would walk right out and absolutely do X for them. Yeah. So now you're just walking around like a, they've got the look on their face like, yeah, we went over your head, we schooled you. <laughs> and it, it came down oftentimes in places like that to the things that people wanted done or would do that the management wouldn't support you for were just bordering on abusive oh yeah so the management would come back and come out and totally not have your back and then having managed in places like that it was basically you had a set of goals and a set of things you had to meet so you were uh, this is what led to me leaving corporate restaurants was they, they were basically like yeah you can't support the employees yeah and i was like that's despicable that because, is truly awful right because your goals have nothing to do with your employees yep. yeah yeah and yeah, you're right they're completely irrelevant in that in that mindset it's customer satisfaction. It's money, and that's about it. Yeah, it yeah it was. Uh, yeah, it, it was. There were some amazing incidents over the years where I just could not believe that that was how anybody would do business or anybody would choose to. Yeah, but you got to pay the rent. You got to keep your job. Yes, and I'm just glad to be out of it. And you escaped. I escaped. You I escaped. escaped. So what? What was your first? Uh, what was your first non? Uh, non-chain, non, non-chain restaurant was the Atomic Eggplant. It's where uh, the Owl House is now. Yeah, I've 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 definitely heard of that. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was before my time, but it was wonderful. Uh, we we when we disappeared, it was just a it was a random day. We got a call and it's like yeah, we're closed today, and then we just never opened back up again. And there were various stories about why we closed that uh, some were and weren't confirmed, but uh, sure. It was wonderful, and uh, what what was the place? It was vegetarian. Okay, uh, it was actually it was the first place I learned about gluten free stuff because we had a uh, on the menu. It was like we'll cater to any diet, and Ornish was a word, and I guess that's a doctor's name who was early on in the study of celiac disease. Wow, Orn something I I don't know, but I, uh, that was the first time I had somebody who was just like we need everything gluten free, and I'm like absolutely okay. What is gluten? <laughs> but uh. So well ahead of its time here. Uh, yeah, it was Rochester has always had a, and I, it's, it's a little bit better now, but it's always had a weird time supporting exclusively vegetarian restaurants. Yeah, and uh, it was, it, it was amusing because the food was vegetarian, but uh, un like the grilled cheese there, which I ate once to twice a day for <laughs> over a year. Yeah. Had to be like fourteen hundred calories. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it was not one of the, one of those vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like vegetarian soul food in some ways, almost. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a lot of fun. It was it was just such a culture shock going into a place where they were like, "No, are you kidding me?" Like uh, one of the uh, one of the female servers one day, some guy did something that was just unbelievably harassive, and. Uh, the owner was just like, oh, yeah, go throw him out. And I was like, w- really? I can do that? I mean, he should be thrown out, but I'm, <laughs> yeah. not, I'm not used to this. Oh, yeah. So that was, that, was, that was awesome. That was nice. Yeah, I'm sure that was an eye-opening experience. Although, having, having now said that twice, uh, uh, yeah, throwing people out is not really a thing that's on my <laughs> list of fun activities. No matter what, when it happens, it's absolutely right. awful. And I've done it very few times in my years, but... But when you have to do it, no, you, knowing you, that there is a line that somebody could cross and you could say no more, yeah, makes you feel a lot better about entertaining eccentric behavior, right? Because that you you know you can you can act when you have absolutely, to. yeah. I think that does make a difference when you know there's a real line. Yeah, I, by nature of storytelling, it's those things that pop into your head when you're talking about things like this, like <laughs> uh, the truly outrageous and bizarre experiences. But uh, they're not all that frequent. Uh, yeah, which so. which you'd, you'd hope they wouldn't be. No, yeah, yeah. So atomic eggplant, which 
sounded cool. I wish I was around to have tried it. I, yeah. Yeah. Based on what you seem to enjoy, you would have enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where, where did you end up after that? Uh, from there, I was at I was at Hogan's Hideaway, but not for very long. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was at Selena's from 2005 until uh, last October. So, I mean, that, that place is one of the... It's, it's a hard place to describe. It's one of the most busy restaurants in Rochester. It's always, always busy. It was truly confounding sometimes when you'd be like, yeah, we had a really slow, slow night. And then you'd really think about it and be like, it was a slow night, but we had a 20-minute wait. Yeah. And especially, I mean, the, the after-work crowd there is just, mm-hmm. it's massive. Yeah. Um, one of those places that, you know, every, a lot, it's, 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 it fits its audience perfectly. Yeah. Almost to a T. Yep. And the margaritas go down like, uh, they go down faster than water at that <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's got to be the most ordered thing there oh, like, by far. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking summer nights, like 32 gallons of margarita. And even summer weekend nights. Yeah. That's, that's, an, that's a that's lot. Not the right math. 16. Yeah, sixteen gallons. I think I was going to say thirty. Even so, thirty-two for a weekend. But I was going to say, but still, sixteen gallons is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And uh, yeah, but I mean, I was there for ten years. Yeah, almost. You know, I was short a couple of months, but uh, it was an awesome place to work. Uh, When I started there, I hated Mexican food, and by the time I left. I, you know, now I have moments where I'm like, if I don't get an enchilada right now, I'm going to kill somebody. Oh, yeah. So I think that's one of the things that I've, I grew up in Buffalo. So my introduction to Mexican food Mighty Taco. was Mighty Taco, okay. which is the farthest thing from Mexican food while still resembling Mexican food. It's a branch of Tex-Mex, I think. It's sure. its own branch on the I've, genealogical tree. Mighty Taco has its own. Absolutely. I've I've definitely gone as far now to say it's not really food it, it, it appears to be food but you know the, sure. the beef is more paste-like and you know yeah, the, it's still kind of good oh it's 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 still mighty taco yeah and i i think for me it's more at this point it's definitely nostalgic food yeah sure one of those things that yeah everything's wrong with it mm-hmm. but i'm not sure i'd change it uh, i understand completely yeah i've got a few of those dishes yeah, my mom's a good cook, mm-hmm. but she's got dishes that I could make 100% better right. by changing the ingredients and doing this differently and doing that differently and definitely make it just objectively better. Right. I would never want it to change. Uh, yep. And if it changed, I wouldn't like it. I understand completely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, those are good things. Yeah. Is there anything that pops in? I've, I've been trying to think i mean a lot of the time when i was a kid my mom had two or occasionally three jobs yeah and uh i made an awful lot of my own food and uh, basically i mean i did not make a lot of my own food i put a box or a can (laughs) in something and turned on heat sure sure so i mean there's some i have some really uh, you know i still occasionally get that i absolutely have to have you know a blue box mac and cheese with tuna in it Oh, wow. Or uh, when I was younger, I absolutely loved, and this this works, this is not really food, uh, <laughs> steakums. Oh, yeah. I would, pull a di- I would pull a chair up to the stove and cook them in the pan and then pull them out of the pan into my mouth because I didn't want to wash dishes. <laughs> so That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, a lot of the uh, lazy, horrible for you things that were marketed in the late 80s, early 90s, I ended up with a big soft spot for. Oh, geez, I remember steakums at school lunches. They never gave us steakums at school lunches, yeah. really. They, they, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't steakum brand. Well, no, because I mean that would be way too much money right. to buy steakum. Absolutely. Brand. Um, but it was you know reconstituted beef, yeah, beef flaps or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Just just you know, it was, it was beefish. John Stewart's uh, constantly drilling on Arby's, and the first thing I thought of when he was like, yeah, it's "What it tastes like when you want to know what it tastes like when a cow dies?" Yeah, I was like, "Oh, steakums." Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah, I remember that well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Terrible stuff, but still. Still. Yeah. Yeah. And I will eat. Uh, my my friend years ago, 
I don't know if he coined the term, but had affectionately referred to me as a pizza slut. There, there is no pizza that I will not eat. There is definitely a hierarchy of what's good and what's bad, the worst being school cafeteria French bread pizza. Oh, sure, yeah. But I will still eat that. Mm. But uh, See, now we're going to keep on this diversion because pizza nerdery is one of my favorite topics. Uh, Do you, what, what is your, what's your favorite being a Rochester, Rochester In town? Native? Acme. Yeah. You Acme. Like, I Acme think bar is, style pizza. Oh, my God, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's uh, My wife and I have an agreement on a couple of food items, uh, because we both have, you know, Epicurean slash gluttonous tendencies. Uh, uh, she is now obligated to grab me and authorized to hit me if I attempt to get a third slice of it. Because <laughs> I've done it a couple of times, and I just, it's it's a huge slice of pizza. Oh, sure. And usually three of them is accompanied by six drinks. And mm-hmm. uh, after the second time, I was like, please just start hitting me next time I try to do that. <laughs> But uh, it's fantastic. And one of the very few, uh, it really is a bar-style pizza, too, which yeah. we don't we don't have a lot of that here. And maybe it's not quite, you know, traditional bar-style, but it's really thin, mm-hmm. no end crust, really, very yeah. cheese almost to the edge, yep. crunchy. It's fantastic. But, I mean, there's room in my heart for all sorts of things. Like, like I said, I grew up out in Fairport. Uh, there's a little convenience store at the foot of the hill that goes up to the high school called Clausen's. That has, I don't even know how I would describe their pizza. For, for years, I thought part of the taste of their pizza was the smell of the saran wrap, which sounds <laughs> truly awful, but it's actually a wonderful si- style of pizza that I can't really place, I can't put adjectives on it. It's slightly sweeter. Okay. It's thicker, like a Mark's pizza, but yeah. more doughy. Okay. And it's it's fantastic, it's but it's not quite Sicilian style. No, no, and it's not like any other pizza I've had anywhere else. And it's one of the like they they could, for all I know, they could be doing something wrong. Huh. Like they could have forgotten to use yeast for twenty years. <laughs> Still tastes like it did in when they first came out with pizza in like nineteen ninety, and yeah. you know when I thought Pizza Hut was the uh, apex of delicious pizza. Sure, personal pan. Uh, it was the the Neapolitan that they came out with in the. I think late 80s that I loved. It was super thin crust, and if you turned the slice, if you held it up by the crust, you could dribble out like two fingers of grease. Oh, wow. It was... Also, it's a crime against words because it's nowhere near Neapolitan pizza. No, no, no. It's Pizza pizza Hut. hut. They're (laughs) they're committing two crimes against words (laughs) in the name. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, yeah, Uh, my wife and I took our first vacation in like two and a half years to Chicago, uh, like two weeks ago now. Oh, awesome. And it's it's had, a really cool town. It is a very cool town, but she uh, she found, I wish I remember the name of the place, uh, she was Google, Googling around for best deep dish, and I felt like a true like true New York trader when I was there. Yeah. Because it was fantastic. It, you know, this huge Italian guy came out, and he's like, ah, Mingi, eat the whole pizza yourself? And I was just like, I did. I think I'm going to die now, but <laughs> yeah, I never, did. And never going to walk again. Oh, my God. It was spectacular. Could it, yeah, it probably was, uh, could have been Lou Malnati's or Giordano's. I, I think it was Lou Malnati's. Sure. It was fantastic, yeah. and it was, uh, you know, the whole time I was thinking about John Stewart's bit with the, the Chicago versus New York pizza. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it might be a marinara swimming pool for rats, but it's it's delicious. Oh, God. It, it really is. And it's that, like, pastry crust. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, what you really need to back up this mound of cheese. I mean, like... A pound plus of cheese uh, yeah. is a butter pastry crust. Absolutely. Oh, it's just just it's, what you're supposed it's to happiness, do. Happiness, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not pizza as a, as we know it, but no. still, no, it could still be pretty damn delicious. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll put that off on its own branch too. Oh, yeah, hundred percent its own branch. It's the Australopithecus of pizza. I'm giving you a dumbfounded look. You're gonna have to explain that one to oh, me. Oh, it's the. Uh, a, a race that's somehow related to human beings, uh, but uh, it, it's its whole separate branch on the uh, gotcha. Homo sapiens tree. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, that's deep dish pizza is bears absolutely no resemblance to. You know, it's it's made of carbon. Yeah. It's cheese and tomato, sure. but uh, doesn't mean it's not fantastic. Yay, carbon! Go carbon! Yeah, I feel really good about carbon after this. <laughs> <laughs> so Salinas for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and yes, Mexican food. I. I have an amazing affinity for Mexican food still, okay. and I, I love, I love Mexican food, and it's 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 one of the harder things for me 
in in and around Rochester because you know Salinas really edges more towards the the Mexican American side of things. Yeah, and it's uh, very customer friendly in that way. It's yeah, just, it doesn't suit what I like necessarily, but it's there's a couple of really good restaurant Mexican restaurants in the greater Rochester area, and they all do very different versions of Mexican. Sure. Yeah, it's another one of those things that like oh. This is a huge, it's a huge country with lots of regional cuisine, mm-hmm. and it's hard to you know nail down. Mexican food isn't one thing I mean, or even another. a lot of Mexican food is kind of like if you go to Italy, you know, everybody's grandma has a ragu recipe, and no, you can't have it, and Absolutely. they're all different. And, you know, western coast of Mexico is different from eastern coast of Mexico, and, you know, yes, this is how we make mole in this village. Not that village. I mean, no. You know, if you talk to, you know, person in this area... Or this city, like only what they make is real. I, there's a couple of really very authentic Mexican mole sauce recipes I've had that absolutely require you to use Hershey's syrup from a jar. <laughs> so and that, that is, and I think that's one of the things people forget. That is a hundred percent authentic. Yeah, because that's exactly what they'll use. Absolutely. And yeah. now it doesn't fit what our romantic ideal of authentic yeah, well, is. Yeah. You know, we want them to be in a palm thatched house going outside and plucking things up yeah right no that's uh, that's absolutely what will get used in some areas and sure and yeah our, our romantic ideal you know it's mm-hmm. the grandmother making tortillas all day and yep. doing this and it was i read an article it was not that long ago it was like grandmothers don't make tortillas they go to the tortilla factory yeah yeah that, i mean there's a tortilla factory in every town too sure but you know they can go to you know, the tortilla factory. I would I would never have called my mom's meatloaf not real meatloaf, but she absolutely went to the store and bought things off the shelf. Yeah, and then made meatloaf. She didn't, you know, she wasn't grinding bones outside to make her own bread. Mm. Yeah, it does sound good though. Mm. Tasty bone <laughs> bread. Mm, bones. So, so Selena's for a long time, mm-hmm. and how did it pop up that you were going to open your own place with your wife? Uh, it's, uh, there's, there's five of us who are the owners, um, and two of them are the couple that own Selena's. Uh, we'd been friends, we'd worked together for a long time, and, uh, the thing at Selena's that I guess, I, I, well, the thing I took the most pride in, the thing I had the most fun with was the tequila collection behind the bar. And because Selena's is very customer friendly and very busy, uh, there's not as much room for, you know, there are a couple of drinks that we invented in house there but people come to selena's and they want they want a selena's margarita right you know they're not it, we 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 would get you know the call for a martini once a week something like that so right. uh after playing with you know at what well, i think our collection maxed out at like 126 tequilas there uh that's at, a huge number by it, the way. It, it was huge and uh it, it pared down a little bit and they're still 70 something i think 70 or wow. 80 so do people actually call a lot of them out by name or is it just like on a certain day you want to get to the aficionados or how Uh, how does that work well the tequila menu has gone through a number of different changes over there uh there's it's the owner's brother now who teaches uh tequila classes that started when i was the uh bar manager there but uh he does he does them much more involved and much better (laughs) than i ever did um but uh Sometimes you get people who will call for something weird. Sometimes they're like, you know, I want tequila, but I want a good tequila. Do you have any suggestions? And you go from there. And it's, you know, well, what do you what do you like? You know, a lot of people. That's it's kind of a an interesting issue because a lot of Americans are only familiar with a couple of tequilas. Right, it's the big name brands and big name brands, and that's about it. Yeah. And you have to go from, well, what do you drink? Do you drink gin or do you drink whiskey or do you, and you know, you find out, okay, you like whiskey. Do you like scotch? Do you like bourbon? Do you like rye? And then you go from there. And when you get to good tequila, uh, it's every bit as complex and varied as, as whiskey, as wine. Um, so, uh, we, we introduced a whole lot of people. We developed a whole lot of regulars who, you know, really liked just good tequila on the rocks or neat. Uh, there were a couple of things that made excellent margaritas, and they'd come in and you'd know, be like, you know, I want a top-shelf margarita. I want a really good one, and you could work with that. But after a while, um, I, I kind of wanted to play with some other things, you know? Sure. Uh, and uh, the opportunity came up that there was a space opening up in the same building, and 
we were all like, well, is this something that we want to do? Maybe open a place? And I had suggested, I was like, well, you know, I wouldn't mind doing some sort of craft cocktail thing. And after, it was 2014, so after 17 years in the business, I was like, well, the next logical step is, you know, you own your own place. Sure. And uh, we certainly figured we were going to try our best to do it and do it well. But I was like, you know, if if, if you fail, it's cheaper, it's cheaper than an MBA and you'll probably learn more. <laughs> <laughs> not nothing like real world uh experience absolutely yeah 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 j- jumping in uh jumping in head first yeah so and we encountered a whole lot of uh a lot of those things where uh, uh, o- uh restaurant ownership has uh been an interesting thing in that a lot of things you know intellectually like you know you're going to have to work x amount of hours or do whatever but once you get into it you're like oh yeah this is what that feels like yeah or, or maybe, you know, I, 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 my wife and I do not have children, but uh, when parents, you know, first-time parents hear the, well, say goodbye to sleeping, and then after those first couple of weeks, they're like, oh, you really don't sleep. Yeah. So. Yeah, because it all makes sense in your head yeah. until you Until, until it you actually happens, wall. and you're like, oh, right. It makes me feel very thankful that I don't have that. Yes. Yes. Me, and myself as well. <laughs> no, that that's, so it, it's it's been a long time coming, and mm-hmm. so you've been open for how long now it's been well, almost almost year? 10 months 10 months our, you know our one year anniversary is new year's eve oh that's right i forgot it was new year's eve and mm-hmm. i i remember that first week i was i was getting twitter notifications from people about the new place I'm like they opened new year's eve did not uh we were supposed to open originally like maybe two months before that there was that whole village gate fire Oh, uh, yeah. Last August twenty third, I believe. Yeah, and the water main broke above Selena's, which caused it to shut down for a month, and it had to be. It, it was a complete. I mean, we really should have had like HD TV in there somewhere because it was a complete gut the restaurant and redo it because wow. everything was destroyed. That's amazing. And if it wasn't for an incredibly devoted team of like the staff came in and helped, uh, the owners' families came in and helped. Uh, it. I mean that that was a. <clears throat> Certainly a potential business ender, but because of that, that delayed Knox for a while, and Knox was directly under the fire. So the amount of stuff that we had done, uh, a bunch of it had to be redone because it got flooded out. Oh. So we got pushed back a couple of months, and we just it came to the point where it's like we need to open right now, or we're gonna not gonna be able to pay rent. <clears throat> and right. we we're like, well, people go out on New Year's Eve, and it was a incredibly it was for months the busiest night we'd been open. Sure. And we we looked up at midnight and, you know, we expected to see friends and family. And we looked up and uh, Corinne and I and the other bartender looked at each other and we're like, I don't know who any of these people are. Yeah. How did they find out we were open? And people <laughs> had a good time. They enjoyed it. And the next day, uh, a couple of bartender friends came in. They're like, wow, it was really ballsy opening on New Year's Eve. And Corinne and I just looked at each other and we're like, uh, you know, that could have gone horribly wrong. I never really thought about that. Yeah. Like everybody could have had that one drink and be like, well, this is terrible. We're never going back. Yeah. And uh like, uh, oh, did not think about that. And yet sometimes it's probably best. Yeah. Sometimes it's probably best not to think through stuff like that. Yeah, there's a plenty of things that I've done in life where I'm like, oh, if I thought about that first, I probably would have decided the smart thing was to not do it. <laughs> but then I wouldn't have done half of the interesting or rewarding things I've done. So yeah. Yeah, and it, it does. It reminds me of the uh, food truck rodeo stuff, mm-hmm. and how many trucks will open for the first time—the first time they've ever done service at, at a the food, food truck, truck rodeo. rodeo. I feel like that's got to have gone catastrophically wrong for somebody. Oh, for sure, and I've I've seen it, yeah. and where lines are tagging out to you know thirty, forty minutes, fifty mm-hmm. minutes, and you just have no idea how to do a service. Yeah, I mean, it does help that you've. You know, yeah, you've run a bar before, yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. it kind of uh, we we certainly were uh, none of us were first timers in any aspect of it, but uh, yeah, there were ways that could have gone again horribly wrong. Oh, for sure. But uh, no, it it went well, and uh, you know there were some interesting kinks we ran into at first, and you know the business is still developing, still changing stuff. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're probably going to move over to going a uh, full table service. Okay. Um. But, uh, you know, for being the first year, the amount of things that have been real serious, oh, God, how are we going to face this issue, have been very minimal. It's uh, about all you can hope for, really. Yeah. 
you know, it, it's it's in the village gate. It hasn't burned down, and there was only that one time the sprinkler up the sprinkler on the floor above us exploded, so we were shut for like half a day. But it's village gate. If it doesn't burn down or flood, you're okay. Yeah, there, there's a ton of traffic that comes through there. Mm-hmm. At the very least, there's yeah. always people around. Yeah, there's businesses during the day. There's all the other restaurants at night. It's kind of it's 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 a cool little area because it's kind of like a I don't know grown up non corporate food court in a mall. Yeah, you can you, go out and be like, uh, I don't feel like sushi. Let's have Mexican. No, right. let's have pizza. And all of those decisions can happen standing in the middle of the courtyard, and you can go to any of those restaurants. Right. And even if you do the, the generous expansion out to Good Luck, I mean, it's a really yeah, it's a really dynamic area when it comes. Yeah. You can get go from Lento to Good Luck, mm-hmm. and then go to you know the simple that's every you know crowd pleasers you know to to the Gatehouse and yeah. Salinas and. It's it's a really yeah, on, the, on the same night you can have tacos or pizza or tripe in the same like quarter mile block. Oh, absolutely, and it's uh, it, that whole area is getting even more interesting just away from Village Gate. Yeah, you know, with the new uh, Three Heads opening, mm-hmm. not that far away. No, um, you know, and uh, one of my buddy's pizza places is opening down in that area. Where's uh, that? Uh, Fiamma. It's opening. Oh, I forget the street, but down near Three Heads. Okay. Cool. So that's exciting. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Awesome. And I know uh, in the general area, I think uh, the Revelry owners are opening up a new place too. Okay. But I mean, it's that whole area is starting to pop. You know, in, that whole University Ave area is in really 1995. St- I used to go down to the Village Gate to buy like vintage clothes and records, and you know, <laughs> my mom would get all worried, and she'd be like, "You're going where? You're not going alone, are you?" <laughs> to the Village Gate, and. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's come a long way in twenty years. It's, I mean, back in nineteen ninety five, it, it wasn't. It was, it was a somewhat sketchy area. But now I was like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like the heart of like the cultural district. Yeah, we're literally across the street from the art gallery. You know, we've got all this great stuff going on. And I'm, I'm, a, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Rochester, a huge fan of the local culture, and having hit a couple other cities in the recent past. I mean, I think we've got just an especially for a city this size, just an awesome food scene. Yeah, it's food really, and drink scene. It's really been expanding over the last few years. Mm-hmm. It's we're we're coming into our own a little bit. I, mean, I think we still need a few more I don't know what I want to call it. A few more of those signature places that are just like you can't help but recommend it. It's just like right. everybody screams this is the this is the best thing since sliced bread. Sure. We 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 need a few more of those kind of places. You know the cornerstones of yeah. the of the dining scene, but we've got a lot of diversity for a city of our size. Yeah, and a lot of cool places. Yep. Um, on that side, what where what are your places other than? What are my places? Let's see. I was like uh, throwing um, this in there. No, I mean, I'm a huge fan of uh, Owl House. Sure. Um. I have to stop saying sure. It's in my head, and I keep on doing it, and it's driving me crazy. So I'm going to yell at myself on the podcast. Stop saying sure. Okay. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> um, Owl House, big fan of both the food and drinks there. Uh, Ember out in Livonia, which I would never have gone to if the first time somebody suggested going there. They're like, well, we'll drive. And I'm like, fine. If it's terrible, I'll just get bombed. And went out there and could not believe how good it is. The food is. Have you been? Uh, my wife had been. She she liked it a lot. Oh my god, the food is amazing. I, I have it's not gone amazing. Yeah, I can't recommend that enough. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Let's see. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, on uh, I remember what day it was. The uh, Buddha Pub just threw up a random fish fry thing. Oh yeah. And I was like, man. That looks great. I'd just eaten. But I was like, all right, I'm going to go down and do that. And I think it might have been the only competition they had was James Brown's, actually. James Brown's Diner on Culver. Yeah, it's, it's one of those places that people love going for going for breakfast, brunch. And it's a crazy busy place. It, it, it is. It's And it's fantastic. And uh, a couple of years ago, I finally got to try there. They do a Friday night fish fry. I didn't even know they're open for dinner. Mm-hmm, I think it's only that maybe Friday, know. Saturday. Yeah. But their fish fry is spectacular, and if the Buddha Pub fish fry had competition, it would the only competition would have been James Brown's. That might have been the best fish fry I've had in Rochester. Nice uh, and great drinks. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a cool place. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the owners and the bartenders are awesome. Yeah, they've they've so. made a real mark in the in the area. Yeah, 
it was the first of the new new wave of South Wedge places, which mm-hmm. it was kind of the you know kind of kind of I don't know what what you want to call it the resurgence of the South Wedge. I mean, it was already yeah. it was already really popular, but. I, the city since like 2000, when Lux opened in 2003, my friends and I lived there basically. And at that point in time, it was Lux and a bunch of abandoned buildings basically. Oh, wow. I, Beale Street, I think, was there, but I'm not a barbecue person, so I never went. Right. But uh, yeah, now it's, you know, it's those gorgeous buildings. They've got the grocer, they've got, you know, Buddha Pub, they've got Lux, they've got. Uh, what else opened over there recently? Well, around the corner now, there's the Cub Room and yep. the Cans. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I know Abundance Market moved over into the area, and mm-hmm. it's it's definitely becoming a yeah. It's a really cool district that I I'm I'm very pleased the city decided to throw some money that way. Absolutely. So I'm going to end off on a non-food topic, and you we were talking briefly about music before we started. Oh sure. And it's I can't claim to be a music a crazy music person, but it certainly would appear that you are. I'm I'm, I'm an enthusiast. Yeah. yeah. So what's what's your what's your musical passion? What's my musical passion? Uh, I mean, I like a wide range of different things. Um, basically, as long as it's well done, I'm into it. I guess. I mean, ten fifteen years ago, if you you could say you know oh, I like indie, and that kind of gave you a pretty clear picture of something, but that term's kind of useless now. Um, yeah, because there's whole that's a whole genre in of itself, and there's so many subgenres and and, and it. I mean. Indie being independent was, I mean, now half of them, it, they're all small businesses, they're all corporations. You right. know, it's indie doesn't mean independent no, anymore. No, now it doesn't really. Uh, now it's a feel more than anything yeah, else. I, I'm, I'm very much mu- musical passion. We'll, we'll go with 2015. I'm very much looking forward to in the next couple of weeks uh, a new record by the band Deer Hunter. It's probably my favorite working band. My longtime favorite musical indulgence is. Uh, Nine Inch Nails, but you can't really call it a band. It's really just Trent Reznor, except sure. for live. But there's, um, I mean, still some amazing stuff. Oh yeah, I, yeah. There's a uh, part of part of my graduate. Uh, I didn't make the thesis, but part of my uh, grad school was a lengthy essay about my lifelong, really bizarrely intense relationship with uh, Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> That's a great thing to write a to write a paper on. Uh, it was. It's just. Uh, it's. I, I'm. Very much a type A kind of person, and there's uh, like play count aggregators. Uh, I, I had that running for a long time. Okay. Well, I've, I've had one running since, oh, geez, for about almost eight years now. That's that's pretty good. I'm and using that and extrapolating back, like what I used to listen to, and, you know, when I was 15, my CD collection was 30 CDs large. It wasn't a, you know, 10,000 song iPod. Uh, I had figured out when I wrote this piece that, uh, with the exception, possibly, of my mother, who died when I was 21, the human voice I had absolutely heard the most was Trent Reznor's. <laughs> like, no question. And I was like, and when I wrote it, I was like, by the time I'm like 32, there's not going to be any question about it. So now, uh, you know, hopefully my wife will give him a run for his money. Uh, but <laughs> Over time. Yeah, I'm 35 now, and that play count aggregator is just, you look at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't even really think I was listening to. It's... What's the, what's the number on the is I, it is it a song or no album? no it's just everything it's the you know uh, it's I think I've listened to more Nine Inch Nails than any other three artists in my library and I'm like I didn't even really think I was listening to it that much but uh, and best record of 2015 uh, I think is by the band Health at the moment and how would we describe that for oh, for someone like me that has no idea uh, what you're talking about Health is. There, there are hints of uh, Nine Inch Nails in it. Uh, it varies from, let's say that particular record is sort of uh, a heavier dance music kind of thing. Um, you know, the, the vocals are kind of backgrounded. It borrows elements from industrial, dance, shoegaze. Uh, it's just a very cool, very different thing. And it was a, a big surprise because a lot of records, uh, a lot of bands that I've had a long-standing love affair with put out records this year that were just head shakingly disappointing that's always kind of a shame isn't it uh it it is and it's it's necessary i guess i mean you don't you don't want a band putting out the same record for 20 years in a row um and they all have to change and you know the older i get the more i 
start to feel bad for the people when I was younger. You know, I used to scoff like, well, I like their early work. And I'd be like, oh, you shut up. You're just, you're, you're being that guy. <laughs> but now being older, I'm like, yeah, you know, I got into a band when they started and they grew one way and I grew the other way. And now it's kind of, you know, uh, the, the Death Cab for Cutie record that came out earlier this year, I was a huge, huge fan. And it's just, I just, I thought it was bad. Oh. Uh, and I was, you know, it wasn't even not interesting. I was like, I just, I think it's bad. And it's, it's got, you know, it's just, they grew one way, I grew the other way. Yeah, that, that was one of the, one of the bands I did listen to, you know, back, back when I was in college mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the, the spinoff at the time, which was what the Postal Service. Mm-hmm. And- which was one of the, I, I mean, nothing has ever sounded like that or ever will, unless it's trying to willfully bite off of that sound. Right. And it was, I, that was one of the few things I did listen to, at least actively at that time. Yeah. And it, it's weird that you, you capture into one or two albums and then it's hard because it's not the same. Right. You, and you, you it want 20- it to be the same, but it's got to be the same, but different. Yeah. You know, it's, it's why after, you know, 40 years of sitcom TV, things are, I wish I could, I've never been able to find it. Years ago, I found a book in, I think, Barnes & Noble, and it was something like the 45 sitcom plots. <laughs> and you'd, you'd flip a page, and it was like, you know, person X does this. And it listed underneath it, Dick Van Dyke Show, uh, Love American Style, Friends, The Simpsons, and it was all the episode shows that have had an episode that was basically a riff on that plot. That's awesome. And I didn't buy it. And after that, I even worked in a bookstore and spent I don't know how long trying to find this book in the – there was an out-of-print database and an in-print database. I've never been able to find it. I've Googled around for it occasionally. I should go do that again tonight and see if I can find it. But uh, it's it's why after 40 years of sitcom TV, people are just like, you know, like, oh, man, I really want this. Basically what you want is that same first experience you had, but now it – you know they can't keep doing that because it, it'll be the same. It won't be good. Right. It, it's the old – It has to change, but – it's the old South Park uh, Simpsons did it thing mm-hmm. when you can look at any possible plot device yeah. over the last, God, what is it now, 26, 26 years? Oh, I don't even know. 20, 25 years, the, some nonsense it, The like Simpsons that. has now been mediocre to bad for longer than it was excellent. Yeah, I mean, The Simpsons has, has been dead for, what, 14 years? If you You're being generous. If you consider season 10 Golden Era, which it's hard to. No, yeah. No. I think season, season season nine is where it ends for me. I was thinking eight. Yeah. You know, it's it's in that uh, range. Season eight has the, uh, they summed it up themselves perfectly. Season eight has the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie episode. Which was which pretty dynamite. is spectacular and the best commentary on the show itself. It's like, yeah, well, after years, the characters can't have the same impact they once did. Right. And it lasted another 16 years uh, after that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see, I I could probably do an hour just on Golden Age Simpsons because that's might be my single most watched TV show of the last. I mean, I used to watch it every day after yeah. school. The uh, four the episode blocks. Bar manager at Selena's uh, and I, when we worked together for years, the way we kept ourselves sane through the shift was all we did was just Simpsons bits from years years two through nine, just oh, back just and forth so and back many. and forth. And there's, yeah, so many golden bits. There, there's nothing that can endear me more to a person than random, obscure Simpsons references. Yeah. And just back You've and forth. You've seen the ones hanging around in Knox, right? Oh, yeah. Mr. Sparkle on the, uh, the oh, post. Who doesn't like Mr. I Sparkle? I choo-choo-choose you. <laughs> yeah. You can just see his heartbreaking in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, on that note, because... Ostensibly, this is a food podcast. I think we're going to close and perhaps pick up another time. Cool, but it was thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, it was great having you over. And um, just repeating our plugs here. Um, go through your plugs real quick. You got Knox is the is the place. Yeah, sure. In the uh, village, Knox gate. in the village gate, three hundred two North Goodman. Uh, the website is knoxcocktail dot com. Uh, we have a very active Instagram and Facebook as well. Uh, it's Facebook slash. I think Knox Rochester. Uh, look up Knox N O X. You'll find it. <laughs> um, but uh, yep, we got that uh, going on. In the next month, we've got a whole bunch of cool things going on. We've got a Roarbox pairing dinner where we cooked a whole bunch of there's a Scotch ale bra- uh, Scotch ale braised pork belly, uh, kind of a chicken and waffles version with a pumpkin ale crepe salad with blueberry ale dressing, uh, vanilla porter ice cream, which is out of this world good. Um, is a benefit we're doing with Lollipop Farm on the uh, 22nd, I believe, of October uh, because we're huge fans of cats, my wife and I especially, and uh, 
we are having Lollipop come down and we're going to donate probably, I believe, I think it's 25% of uh, everything that night to Lollipop. Beautiful. That sounds Save like the kittens. Good, sounds like a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully we can do something like that fairly regularly. Uh, starting in October, too, there's a reading series working up with uh, writers and books where we've got a bunch of very well-published local authors. Uh, Tony Liutz is going to be on there, Jim Morton, Ralph Black, uh, Steve Fellner. Um, it's going to be a good time. So there's a whole bunch of stuff kind of Halloween. There's a uh, Amanda Ashley Trio is releasing uh, their new album. She's touring and she's playing at the Hard Rock Cafe in uh, Memphis tonight. Uh, but she's releasing her CD at Knox on Halloween, so it's going to be a huge extravaganza. That's really cool. So yeah, we got we got a October's going to be a busy month. Yeah, but you know that's kind of what you want. You want yeah, different. Absolutely. You want, you want different. You want unique. Whole and bunch of different things from poetry to boozing to music to kittens. Yeah. So that's nice. And always classic Simpsons. And always classic. Yes, of course. So again, thanks for coming, James. Thank and, you. Um, good times, and uh, hope everybody enjoyed.